Welcome to the 99 Podcast, the podcast dedicated to covering entertainment focusing mainly on LA 99-seat theater community. I'm Benjamin Schwartz. And I am Matt Ritchie, and today we are going to be interviewing Sean Kowalty, who is head of the Rogue Artists Ensemble, a company in LA dedicated to working on Hyper Theater, who has just finished doing a workshop production of Electra at the Hey, hello. Hi, Sean. Sorry about missing your call. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> um, how would how would you actually describe hyper theater and 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 what Rogue does? I I think hyper theater for us is uh, is, is equal parts of a toolbox, which often includes you know, very primitive forms of storytelling like puppet and mask work and more technology-based forms, video projection, media usage, uh, as, as well as it is an, an approach. I, I think for Rogue, a lot of the times when we're developing a piece, we ask ourselves along the way for any given scene or moment, what's the best mode this story should be told at this point? And how, how would that best convey whatever we're trying to get across to the audience? And I think, therefore, we end up with these pieces that are sort of the mashup of a lot of different forms, and the audience experiences these gear shifts as we go from a puppet piece to a physical theater piece to a song to a dance. And um, ho- hopefully, if we've done our job, everything feels intentionalized and very purposeful. And how, about how, how long has uh, Rogue been around? So we, we actually started working together on the campus of UC Irvine back in 2000 and uh, met there and started creating work on the campus as undergrads and um, became an official form nonprofit in 2004 and have been going ever since. Great. Awesome. Um, and, uh, and how did you come about using the piece of, um, of, of Electra? So that piece has an interesting history. It, it actually began around, uh, around 12 years ago when in an ensemble meeting we were talking about ideas for projects that maybe felt exciting to us. And we um, also were talking about Greek tragedies and how they um, were things that people adapted often, but maybe were hard to adapt to a modern audience because they were really rooted in mythology that, that actually to us feels quite you know ancient. And at some point, um, I don't remember who it was, but we said, you know, a lot of times these Greek tragedies feel kind of like old Westerns and we somehow brainstormed and landed on this idea of Cowboy Electra. And that, that title has been around for about 12 years. Um, conceptually, we knew that there was something really interesting in this idea of taking this Electra myth, the character of, of Electra and empowering her as a heroine of the old West. But it took us many iterations, many different uh, groups of collaborators to really crack the nut and figure out how to how to make this a compelling experience, and a lot of that has rested on this this conundrum of Electra in the original Greek versions being a character that doesn't have much agency, mm. and uh, her even though she's you know it's called Electra, she's still a character that for much of the piece she's left without any 
power over the storytelling. If, if you put that story up against the Bechdel test, <laughs> you could take a lecture out and a lot of the story would still function more or less the same. You know, her brother comes, avenges her father's death, kills the mother, end of story. A lecture doesn't really need to be there. Um, so at some point, many years ago, we realized, well, what we have to do is figure out a tweak to the story that would allow Electra to be more critically in charge of the plot and would be actually the device in which things change and she's the motivator of that, uh, which is where we came up with this notion of, of uh, her brother not, not actually coming to save the day mm. uh, without ruining too much of it. But that became one of the critical breakthroughs of the development of the piece and um, has been... That concept has been around for quite a while. Mm. I wanted to ask you, just personally, uh, what got you into mm-hmm. theater? Oh my gosh. Uh, it's been a lifelong journey. It, for me, it really started, uh, I think, growing up and watching The Muppets and seeing, uh, you know, these, these sort of old school puppet films as a kid. And um, so since I was around three or four years old, I've been exploring puppets, playing with puppets, and building my own puppets, and figuring out how to tell stories and write scripts with puppets. Even as a little kid, I remember, you know, doing pretty, pretty out there, uh, what I would view as like avant-garde kid performances now with puppets and myself as a character, as you know, as like a five or six-year-old. Mm. And uh, so I've always really had this love of storytelling and eventually stumbled into being a, you know, a, an actor at, in the Orange County Children's Theater, which is where I was growing up at the time. And uh, from then on, it was a pretty pretty swift journey between uh, middle school to high school to feeling like what I really liked doing was directing and not acting. I find acting pretty intimidating, actually, and um, feel like actors are the bravest and most wonderful people in the world. <laughs> and they, they are so good at the thing I'm not good at so I love being behind the scenes and designing and crafting and helping to create the universe in which the stories take place in. That's great. And you've done such great stuff. I mean, I, I know the, the history of Rogue. You guys uh, have done some amazing, amazing, crazy work over the last certainly decade or, or, or two. Um are you? Do you guys have a set space any longer? I know you were you were kind of had you were at the bootleg for a while as kind of your yeah. base. Are you? Uh, do you have a location now, or are you just kind of like a company without a a set space right now? We we have a warehouse space that we rent a part of one of the floors of, and that's a space that we use both as our storage and as a, a little bit of a rehearsal space. Mm. Um, but really, I think the, the company is committed to its itinerant form and doing work that's deeply embedded in different parts of the community. A lot of the, the projects require us to set up camp, as we say, in a, in a space or at a facility and, and really create within that. And I, I think that there, there's a deep love in the company and an appreciation of not being bound to one physical box mm. so that each project can really be um, responding to this question of where is this best told? Mm-hmm. Is, is this piece, is this, is this uh, story a piece that feels best suited for a proscenium theater? Does it want to be in a park space? Does it want to be in a mansion? Like, wh- what is the ideal venue? And let's create to that. 
and I think that's that's a really exciting way of looking at storytelling. And that worked beautifully when you were at the the Getty with this uh, piece. You know, just walking in toward the theater and seeing all the the uh, the, the architecture and knowing what you're going to see and, and feeling this you know Greek theater vibe and this very ancient yeah. thing was uh, was a, a fantastic uh, choice. How did you get connected with the Getty? How did the, did you reach out? Was this this something that they were looking for and they knew you guys? What was this about? Uh, so we, we have done another piece at the Getty that they commissioned a few years ago uh, called Songs of Belitis. Mm. And after we finished that piece, we, we had just remained in touch. And about four or five years ago, we were, we were talking with um, the wonderful folks at the, at the Getty about other things Rogue was working on. And at that point, there was some interest in the company to create a piece that was really responding to what is basically the most ancient part of the Getty collection, which are all of these pre-Mesopotamian fertility artifacts. Hmm. Um, and we had started to conceptualize what would have been this piece responding to those and the stories about them and shared that with them, with the Getty, and they were interested, but they said, you know, is there any other piece that you've worked on that, that also might be of interest? And we said, well, we have this old thing, Cowboy Electra, and it was kind of like sold. That's the thing we should do. And uh, they really inspired us, I think, in some ways to, to get out of the, the, the attic and um, try to try to revisit it. And... Um, Commission Rogue to create this this workshop. Um, we we along the way also received some funds from some other partners to do some earlier readings and other developmental steps. But this this main workshop was really uh, supported much much by the Getty uh, um, overall. And how going forward with them is that because as this was a workshop production is this something where what is the next step for you with this specific project is this something you're bringing right back into uh, working on as with a with a set time or place of when you're going to be doing the full-on performance or are you kind of letting this set for a little while and you're going to be picking this up at another time or do you do you really know we we have some sense of what we're what we're hoping. Um, there's nothing official yet. We certainly are in conversation with some theaters around the country, and the hopes that they would be partnering with us to create what would be the premiere of this piece. Um, with the the way that things sort of ebb and flow, it's interesting because you fundraise and you write grants and you do work to support each step of the process, and then you need to have a successful baby step to then allow you to do that same work, fundraising, outreach, partnership, creation, to then do the next step. So right now we feel like, gosh, this was really exciting. We got to see what it kind of feels like and we know what we want to change. Now we get to take all of that energy and try to package it up and inspire hopefully other conversations that will, in a year and a half to two years, allow us to premiere the piece. Oh. Uh, it's, it's such a lengthy process to do this kind of work and um, so much of it relies on partnerships and we, we believe in that so strongly because it's not just good for Rogue, it's really good for all the folks involved because everyone benefits from the creative energy putting this piece together as a collaborative venture. Hmm. That's fascinating. Um, I wanted to ask you, what's uh, where do you kind of find 
a like an idea from. So, uh, do you pull inspiration from the script uh, to create a visual or um, some kind of scale reproduction uh, to accommodate the story, or do you have a lot of ideas in the back of your head that you try to fit into a play if it doesn't? really meet the rogue type of aesthetic or feel if if that makes if, does that make sense yeah it totally does it's, it's an interesting question so we i wish we had an answer i wish i could give an answer that was like a clear sense of what the process is but it's unfortunately rather messy and kind of grungy in the sense that sometimes we start with an image sometimes we start with a piece of text sometimes we work from other source materials um Along the way, we start to commit things to paper, and that is both the text of the play and also visual research and drawings and ephemeral inspiration. And while we're working on the piece, we then, you know, things ebb and flow. Sometimes we'll get an idea of staging something that will be written into this text. Um, other times, there will be an idea from the playwright or from really anyone working on the production that then inspires design choices. And we, we have a little bit of a rule that passion wins. If, if people feel really exuberant about a particular aspect of the piece, we really try to listen to that and respond to that and make sure that that is, is a part of it. Um, and um, each, each piece, you know, is, is pretty different in terms of what the inspiration is. So it means that we're working on things that are pretty, pretty um, extreme in terms of visual vocabulary and style. Uh, and also demographic. Sometimes we're doing work that's really an all-ages piece. Other times we're doing work like Cowboy Electra that we would really view as much more of an adult piece. Um, and and not, what, not to mention the question of immersive and or site-specific, which is a whole other uh, kind of can of worms. Let me ask you, where where do you find is your biggest inspirations throughout your years? Your you mentioned Muppets and and uh, other puppet artistry. But uh, what's kind of your passion CV? Oh my gosh. Um, I, I think it's everywhere. I, I feel like as an artist, the best thing that we can do is to be, to be sponges and be open always to wherever the day takes us in terms of inspiration. I, I, I think that books and research in the library still remain a big part of my personal process. Um, the... Other, you know, I love theme parks. I love immersive experiences. I, I do a lot of traveling to, you know, to work in different parts of the world. And I always try to seek out um, experiences that might push me to think of things in a different way um, or, or to experience culture in a different way than what I am used to as a Southern California native. Um, I, I think that the more that we can seek out those sorts of experiences to broaden our perspectives, the, the better our art gets. And um, I, I um, think every project too has a sort of vector in terms of the path of research. Certainly for Cowboy Electra, I've spent you know probably a hundred hours watching old westerns and just just trying to understand the different um, movements within that western film genre and the TV western genre and also listening to you know, music of the time and researching that. Uh, we, we all, as a production team, 
did a deep dive into that world that we found very helpful ultimately to, to figure out the right tone for things because that, that was a big question we've been having for, for the piece. Very cool. Well, so we, we have a thing here um, that we do called the speed round. Uh, uh-huh. we, we, we try to do the, the the podcast is very much based around 99 seat theater so we uh, we like to have a quick speed round where you just uh, short answers to very very deep questions which is probably what this should be called short answers to deep questions so the first one we'll do, knowing what you know now what advice would you give to yourself when you first started getting into theater Ask people for help and don't be afraid to do so. That is an excellent, excellent answer that I am going to take with me today. Uh, (laughs) What place in L.A. specifically inspires you? Uh, I love the Bob Baker Marionette Theater. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love the Natural History Museum. I love the Jurassic Technology Museum. If you could choose one thing, is there anything that you feel that could improve the most about 99-seat theater in Los Angeles? Uh, unified marketing approaches. Hmm. Hmm. Ex- okay. Ex- that's that's one of the answer. best uh, answers we've gotten so yeah. far. Yeah. Um, and then one and- last one here. Um What's something that comes up in your work that you feel people might not notice? Uh, I tend to like designing characters that have one eye different than the other. (laughs) Interesting. Where does that come from? Or do you know? I've always done it. I I asked my... uh, family this recently and they said all my drawings as a kid were one eye one way one eye the other way and I think it's because I genuinely as a, as a person gravitate towards imbalanced things ah interesting that yeah okay I like that cool well, thanks, man. Listen, um, do you? I know you literally just finished up with Electra, and obviously, you know this yeah. is you know you're 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 moving into um, you know the, the grant writing stage is what it sounds like. Do you uh, do you personally or Rogue have uh, something new coming up that you want to uh, that you're looking to push, or you're kind of fallow for a little while? No, we, we have a few things. So this this year we're going to be doing uh, we're actually in April. Uh, we're doing a reading of a new piece at the uh, Carousel on the Santa Monica Pier, which is a piece called uh, Slitzy, which is based on the sideshow performer Slitzy and um, tells an interesting story about the intersection between the sideshow and Los Angeles history and will be an immersive site-specific piece. Um, and that's something that we're, we're chopping this year and they're going to open next year. That's awesome, man. That sounds like fun. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Well, again, thanks. I'm so looking forward to uh, checking out future work and seeing where where this goes and everything, too. Good to uh, good yeah, to, good to talk awesome. to you again, and can, uh, congratulations, and looking forward to see the new stuff, bro. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day, guys. Right, you, too. you too. Take care. Bye. This has been an interview with Sean Kowalty of Rogue Artist Ensemble. 
Thank you so much for dropping by. I'm Benjamin Schwartz. And I am Matt Ritchie. We look forward to speaking to you again on the 99 Podcast. Bye-bye.